This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Thursday, 18th of March, 2021. And do you know where I am, Tegan, today? Are you near a quokka, Norman? I'm just across the water from quokkas. I've arrived in Perth. Oh, congratulations. It's been... How long, how many months have you been trying to get over there? It's a long time and it's glorious weather and looking great. Well, congratulations. Anyway, carry on. Well, the government and this podcast has been urging Australians to embrace COVID vaccines and we're just days away from phase 1B, which is 6 million Australians who will be eligible for a vaccine in this phase. And it's being rolled out via GP clinics, which should be a much easier way of getting it into as many people's arms as possible. But there seems to still be growing pains. We've been getting lots and lots of questions from our audience about, well, not questions, comments about just the fact that they've been calling. There's long wait lists. They're being told that they can't make an appointment if they're not an existing patient with that clinic. Why is it so hard for Australia to scale up its vaccination rollout? Look, the simple thing here, the simple answer here is that general practice are private businesses. Commonwealth doesn't run them. GPs have control of them. And um, you get variability. Um, The GP respiratory clinics work quite well with the testing, and they'll probably work quite well eventually with the vaccination. But there are issues here. And just goes to the thing that, I mean, it doesn't matter which party's in power. I've said it before, I've said it again, is the Commonwealth doesn't run anything apart from the Defence Force. It certainly doesn't run anything in the healthcare system. And they're trying to put things into place which they don't have any power over. And it's the states who know how to run stuff. And GPs will be struggling. They've got to do their regular business. People come in with chest pain, headaches, colds, um, serious problems like cancer, and they've got to add on the vaccination at the same time. And it gets tough. And then there's variability that we hear as well. And we've got a whole heap of people um, writing into CoronaCast. Yeah, that's right. So Karen says uh, when she's called the GP practices, they don't know when the vaccines are arriving. They don't know when they're going to be taking appointments. Uh, She really wants it when she can get a hold of it. Yeah, people want to get this vaccine. Vaccine hesitancy is is in a minority of Australians and and people want it. And the gobsmacking thing here is they've had a long time to actually organise this. You would hope that they had the logistics right so that they only put out information when everything was locked and loaded. But clearly not, at least from the mailbag that we're getting and what's being reported. For example, Heather says, uh, my husband and I are 73 and 74, live in central Hobart, just tried to book our vaccination. No clinic option came up on the site within Hobart City and the one in Kingston, 20 minutes drive away. This is dispiriting and absolutely does not help the government's push to encourage vaccinations. People will give up if making appointments is this difficult. Yeah, and that's interesting. I mean, hopefully they don't. And we know that last year the flu vax was really hard to get a hold of at first because people were trying to protect themselves against respiratory illnesses. But um, certainly our Coronacast producer, Will, and I did some calling around yesterday, and Will's in Hobart, and he called more than 10 clinics in Tasmania and a few said that they weren't giving vaccines ever and had been wrongly listed on the government website. And then we're getting some responses from the audience saying that they're being asked to make a regular appointment with their GB to be properly assessed, which which they're going to be billed for. And then they'll go through to have the the vaccination, which the minister today said was not uh, legal or was not approved. That was not the way that it should be done. It does seem strange. Like It feels like it, it makes logical sense for them to be delivered via GP clinics because that's your trusted health provider that you probably already have a relationship with and feels like maybe a better option than mass vaccination clinics in big arenas, which is another thing that's been put forward. 
But is the problem with the clinics and the fact that it's a fragmented system or is the problem at the government's end? I I think it's just simply that the government is not used to, and again, it's nothing to do with political parties, the government is not used to pressing a button and things happening automatically in general practice. It's clunky. And general practices can say no. They can choose which patients they want to see. That's the other thing that's going to happen is you can pick and choose. They'll say, I'm only immunising people that I've got in my, my practice. They can't force GPs to see people they don't want to see. You know, and th- that sounds sinister on the part of the general practice, but they've got to get on with business, their own business themselves. You know, this should be, you know, my view, I'm, I know I'm editorialising here, but my view is give it to the states. They'll open mass immunisation clinics. They'll get organised. They've got the logistic chain. Just give it to the states and you'll get mass immunisation at your local hospital or your local football field. Just get it done. Low-income countries can do this en masse. We should be able to do it. America's, I think they've got through 100 million vaccines or more, uh, vaccine doses or more. They'll be fully immunised, 300 million people by May. And they're a disorganised healthcare system. We can do it too. Uh, Supply is part of the problem though, isn't it? And Ian's saying um, his clinic says it will be getting 50 doses a week and he's over 80, so he's in the top 10 to 20% of clients. He figured by May they may be able to get vaccinated, maybe July, and and he's saying why all this noise when there is such limited vaccine in the system? Who wants a stampede to protect protect the more frail? Uh, It already looks like a 12-week wait will mean going through flu season without COVID protection. Yes, I mean there are vaccines in the country. A week ago they said there was 1.3 million doses in the country and there were only 165,000 people I think on that day immunised. So there are more vaccines in the country than they're, they're, they're implementing. So while we're talking about vaccines, there's still some lingering doubts about the AstraZeneca vaccine and its uh, whether it does or doesn't increase people's risk of blood clots because we've seen some European countries suspend its use because there seemed to be a signal there. And we were very much saying a few days ago on Coronacast that this was probably not a real signal. It was probably just a coincidence. But Norman, you've got some data that you'd like to talk about to just add some nuance to this. So I'll just go over what I did on uh, 7.30 the other night, which was speaking to an international authority on thrombocytopenia. So this is the low platelet count. And where you can paradoxically with a low platelet count get blood clotting, but it's rare. And the comment was made that because it's rare, that it's a kind of unusual event that you're getting low platelet counts associated with clotting. But it, there is a way that it happens, and it's through antibodies to the platelets being generated, causing the low platelet count. At the point where we last talked about this, and when I was doing the 730 story, I thought that the main reason that they would have called a halt is this association with thrombocytopenia and the blood clotting. It turns out, and the Paul Ehrlich Institute has released a report as to why the Germans have called a halt. And what we said the other day was, well, you know, these countries are no slouches with science. Why are they doing it? Well, it turns out that there's been a form of, what they, and I quote, severe cerebral venous thrombosis. In other words, a blood clot in the veins of the brain associated with thrombocytopenia, associated with a low platelet count. And up to the 15th of March, there were 15 cases. Three people had died of seven infected individuals and they were aged between 20 and 50. So that's what's spooked them. So the question you've got to ask, why Germany and why hasn't Britain seen this? And I think what you, if you remember back to COVID-19, when you started getting children with Kawasaki disease or this uh, multi-system inflammatory disorder, it was just Britain that reported it. But when they reported it, 
other people said, oh, we've, saw, we've seen that too. So we need to wait and see whether other countries have actually seen this. It's a very rare disorder. So you can say, well, the average, as what we said in Coronacast, the average is one, in, or one or two people per thousand get a clotting disorder with thromboembolism that spreads to other parts of the body a year, 8% of the population. So it's very common. Just in normal life without a vaccine? In normal life without a vaccine, usually older people, usually people with other conditions. It's not younger people with cerebral vein thrombosis. So this is an unusual and rare situation in close proximity in time to the vaccine. They've got to sort this out and see whether or not it's plausible that it's um, that it's cause and effect. And the, the Paul Ehrlich Institute's language is pretty careful. They're saying it's not implausible. They're not panicking. But what they've found is a rare disorder. So it's fine to say overall the clotting is more common than the vaccine incidence, even if the vaccine incidence was real. And now you've got this, which is going to be why Germany, what's going on here, is it anywhere else? And was it, was it something else with these people going on? Did they have a genetic tendency to blood clotting or whatever? There's a lot more to be found out. But this is exactly the situation where you probably, at least in the German situation, put it on hold and see what's happening. If it's younger people that it happens to, you wouldn't expect to get a report in Australia because it's only the elderly who've actually had this vaccine so far. So it's really when we get into the, you know, the next stages of the, of, the, of the rollout that you might be concerned. So we just got to see, but that's why they did it. A rare event that you would not see commonly happening in association with the vaccine. And if you just take it back to one's personal view, my view is that there probably will be some rare side effects from these vaccines and Astra won't be alone, but they will be rare and you just balance that risk and I'll be prepared to take that risk. You get All vaccines have risks to some extent, but they're very, very rare. So should this change anything for Australia? Not yet, but they'll have an answer quite soon from Germany and they'll be able to see. But if the Germans do say it's cause and effect, Australia has a problem. They've got to make some decisions. Well, yeah, I guess we'll just wait and see. But for now, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast. If you've got a question, go to our website, abc.net.au slash coronacast. Click on Ask a Question and mention Coronacast on the way through and we'll see you tomorrow. See you then.